episode 135, Gut Health is Brain Health. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trusclair, and today we're Dr. Robert Silverman's perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind the curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. All right, everybody, we are back for another week. This episode was actually a little bit of a surprise for me because I've been looking to talk about Prolone and he actually does it, but he is not the forerunner in the Prolone interview. That should be coming in a couple of weeks from now. What we are going to talk about, though, is this theory in functional medicine, functional nutrition about your gut is 80% of your immune system. And how does your gut correlate to your, your brain health? You know, can it help with concussion recovery? Uh, what is like leaky gut? Does gluten, added sugars, and processed food destroy that? And what can we do to fix it? So we'll actually go through a few of the supplements that he recommends, which is great. And we'll tie in Prolone and how that works well together with it as well. Uh, ways to determine if you do have potentially a gut issue based on things that you eat. And we'll talk about the book that he has coming out at the end of the year, which is part of the reason why we have him on the show. You can see a microcosm, if you will, of the book in the July 11th, 2019 Cairo Economics article. I got the link in the show notes. It's the gut brain axis. So if you like these things, you're definitely going to enjoy this episode. I know I did. If you're looking for ways to support the show, just go to the resources page or at every show notes. If they mention a book, you can find it there. Purchase it through Amazon. And if you're looking for more episodes that might get you jump-started on this podcast beyond just scrolling and scrolling, just go to uh, doctorsperspective.net slash top 1718. And that is the top 23 episodes so far of uh, 2017 and 2018. So let's not belittle the point any longer. Remember to listen, critically think, and implement. All the show notes can be found and the transcript at a doctorsperspective.net slash 135. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China and right outside New York City. Today on the show, we got a guy. I think he has 15 different acronyms behind his name. That's a lot. He also has a, uh, a best-selling Amazon book called Inside Out Health. He is certified in lots of different uh, n- nutrition programs, at least six, ART, Factor, CrossFit things. He's appeared on like Fox and NBC, CBS, ABC, The Wall Street Journal. The guy has been around a while. He's uh, definitely has a name for himself. And in fact, he will be in the uh, cover of the Cairo Economics that's coming out like either this month or next month, depending on when this thing comes out, this episode. Just I'm excited to have him on. Dr. Robert Silverman. Uh, Justin, I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for taking the time out. Oh, man. It's been a, it's going to be a pleasure because I enjoy talking about nutrition. It's definitely something that I, I have a passion for, but you know, haven't really done enough uh, extra education to really be uh, talking a lot about it with my patients on that next level, and especially with the topic that you want to discuss and that I thought, wow, this would be a great episode, the gut health, changing your brain health and then disease based on the gut instead of like what do you, you know, all the other stuff that we look at usually. So it's a, it's a new topic and I believe it's kind of a new, I want to say trend, but there's more research coming out that's like, well, we need to look at this more closely than we have in the past. Absolutely. I, I believe that all of us and especially all our chiropractors would be uh, really aided in our patient outcomes if we looked at the gut to brain axis. Remember, 80% of your immune cells are in your gut. It's where your macro and micronutrients are absorbed, your foods, your vitamins and your minerals. Um, Hippocrates once said, all disease begins in the gut. What goes on the gut communicates with your brain. What goes on in your brain communicates with your gut. So people come in my office 
and uh, they'll have a lower back or a shoulder injury, and I will treat the area. Believe me, and I'll look at the system, but I'll always tell them if I fix their gut health or they got the brain axis, they're going to get better outcomes with that injury and true health outcomes. And if you're talking about like athletes and CrossFitters, that's something they want. And they're already probably doing something like I'm on the keto diet, you know, or something right. like that. And I'm the intermittent fasting. You're like, all right, well, you can keep doing that, but we can also address these other things too. <laughs> and you want to know, it's funny, both things you just mentioned, the keto and intermittent fasting, like you said, we'll mention later, they're actually great for gut health. Ah, see that? Very interesting. All right. Give us a little bit about not like way back, but how'd you get into so much nutrition? Like why did that tweak your interest so much? And then let's bridge into like the book and then, you know, some of these things that you're discovered. You know, uh, I didn't wake up one day and want to be a chiropractor. I suffer from what they call congenital torticollis. That's a damage to musculature in my neck. So therefore I have an asymmetry in my posture and my gait because of it. So uh, growing up in New York City, uh, being a little different, sometimes that was, uh, as they say, a little rough. Uh, with that being yeah. said, I went to a chiropractor 21 years old for back pain, believe it or not, not even neck pain. And he said, I'm also going to work on your neck because at that time, you know, over 30 years ago, he believed in uh, the whole body. And I got some relief. I not only got relief from my back, I got some relief in my neck. I had a plan. He did exercise. He talked about nutrition, whatever nutrition was, uh, you know, at the time that was the cutting edge at the time. So... I knew then, even though I was in business school, I wanted to go to chiropractic school. So um, I finished my degree, uh, a business degree. I got a job offer from IBM, worked in the morning. It wasn't for me. I did everything that I promised my parents, walked out at lunch and went down the road and uh, found a community college to uh, start getting bio, uh, physics, organic chemistry, <laughs> psychology, and went on my route in uh, chiropractic, very simply within chiropractic chiropractic is the day of enlightenment you know you're looking to fix the body from the inside out and you know chiropractic offers a multitude of options one of the better options or as good as it gets if you will is nutrition that's diet that's supplement those are tweaking and playing within systems so everybody should understand their most valuable asset is their health there's no monetary number you can put on your health um, I always look at health as like a bank account. Did you put into the savings account today or did you draw and take out in the checking account? Because if you take out every day, that checking account is going to be empty. If you put in every day, you'll be able to hold off when something goes wrong on a rainy day. That makes sense. That's a great coffee mug, by the way. That's you hilarious. Like that? yeah. yeah. The boss. The boss. <laughs> and that's my wife's coffee mug. Thanks. Saying say it, the boss. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I stole it from my wife. <laughs> so how does one just never stop learning. Are you that guy? I mean, I'm looking at your wall. There's so many little plaques everywhere and you, you've done all these diplomates and everything else. Are you one of those people that just took a lot of courses every year or just based on time, they finally just accumulated or like, what was the passion with that? Um, definitely the idea of accumulation of getting all the courses. So I'd have the basis to start to really learn. So now, you know, I still do courses. I do online, but I'm not so much going for the degree. Um, I'm going for the knowledge. And, you know, you can get that in different books, different articles. I'm sure you're going to ask me all about that towards the end. And um, it's just a constant learning process. My goal is to be better every day. We're, we're docs. We're lucky. You know, athletes have a roof. They can make a lot of money, but they have a roof on when they're at their best, an age, uh, a skill set, etc. I think doctors, if we take care of ourselves, can only get better as we age. And if we um, 
take care of ourselves and we allow ourselves to age well and longer, we can help more people in our lifetime. Definitely. Well, let's jump in. This is a topic I don't know a lot about per se. And so it's a little intimidating to be like, okay, well, where should we start when we're talking about gut health? Does a patient come in and say, I got constipation or actually I haven't had a, a good stool in a long time. It's always runny. Like are those where most people would start thinking, mm, you know, something wrong with me. Most people don't realize 80% of, as I said, and I'll keep saying it, 80% of your immune cells are in your gut. So when you think about it, most modern medicine, most options that people have, I'm in America, are damning to their gut. And then I'm going to definitely answer your question. So they don't realize the antibiotics, no one's saying not to take them, but taking them in such a, a large amount, uh, sort of uh, prophylactically, damage your gut health. Non-steroid anti-inflammatories, Aleve, Advil, ibuprofen, they damage your guts. Gluten damages your gut. Sugar, dairy, pesticides, etc. Stress. So all these things can damage your gut and most people don't realize that their guts are damaged. So now let's segue into the patient walking in. Now it's conceivable when I do my functional medicine, functional nutrition patients that they may come in and say, you know, uh, I'm not digesting well. But typically they don't say that or definitely the chiropractic patient doesn't. So I have to draw it out of them. And one of the easiest (laughs) questions is, Do you get gas and bloating after you eat? And almost everybody says yes. Well, we're not supposed to. If we get gas and bloating, it's a sign that we have a digestion problem. And the reason that we get gas and bloating is there are no nerve fibers or pain fibers in the inside of your intestinal tract. So the only way your body can symptom or signal that there's something wrong with your gut is by giving you gas and bloating. Now, that gut-to-brain axis, do you get a brain fog within 45 minutes after eating. And most people will say yes. Well, you're not supposed to. You should feel better after you eat. If you're getting a brain fog, it implies that the gut-to-brain axis is slowed because there's no pain receptors in your brain. So that neurological impulse to your brain is slowed, so you get lethargic. So a lot will be elucidating and drawing out what the patient says and trying to explain to them or see if they have specific symptomology. Now there are tests for that, but I know on the podcast we may not be going into tests. So the, you'll ask people, that you may also say, hey, you have gas and bloating. Since you've had some gastrointestinal problems, have you had some more faults in musculoskeletal? And they'll say yes. And now you're off to the races where, you know, again, 80% of your immune cells are in your gut. It's that the step to systemic inflammation, localized inflammation, and ultimately autoimmunity, hoping not trying to lose anybody. So you may have to bring everything back at some point to your overall gut health. So ask everybody now listening, do you have the guts to be healthy? What have you done for your guts lately? And by the way, most of the audience are some sort of doctor. So we, we throw out some tests and stuff like that. that I, that's not a bad thing because there's going to be somebody listening that's, that's like, oh, great. I was interested. Now I know a little bit where to go. What about you mentioned uh, gluten? I know some people are like everybody's gluten intolerant these days and we don't know if it's in their head or if it's just trendy. You got dairy. You start talking about all these different things. All of a sudden, I'm like, what am I supposed to eat? Oh, vegetables. Oh, OK. But <laughs> we love our carbs. We love all this stuff. And then you start talking about it, maybe eliminating all of these things for a while is what I'm assuming. You do the elimination, add it back, see how you feel type of uh, approach. I'm not sure if that's how you do it. But um, what are you seeing that are the, you know, if you grab each section and said, this is 
typically what you would find with gluten or dairy or whatever, like some of the issues? Well, where we are in North America, or at least I am, um, gluten is means glue. It means glue in Latin, six to your intestinal tract. It's been hybridized. Uh, it's 152 different amino acids. It's impo- it's truly impossible with what they've done in in this local regional area to break down gluten. Uh, with that being said, gluten is also exposed to something called Roundup. Roundup has glyphosate. Glyphosate has been called by the World Health Organization as a cancer-causing property and damages what we call the microvilli inside the gut. The microvilli are a shaggy carpeting that actually uh, finger-like projections. I'm moving my fingers now and they grab the nutrients. Without the villi, you don't have the ability to grab nutrients and your food will just simply go through. Now, I'm a big proponent of none of my patients eating any gluten. Now, the studies show that about one in 100, one in 130 have celiac, allergic to the protein in um, gluten. In addition, about 39 to 40%, which is four out of 10 people, have some sort of sensitivity to gluten. So you're knocking out four out of 10 people knowing they absolutely can't. The real problem is the six out of 10 thinking that it's okay to eat gluten. And what they don't realize is gluten is inflammatory to everybody and will damage your gut for up to about 45 minutes. Now, obviously, if you have celiac and you eat gluten, it's human diaper time. If you have sensitivity, it's bathroom time. If you're like me and you don't have either one of the two, it's still damning to your intestinal tract. It's damning to your digestion. So that sandwich that you have, which is so common where we are in America, isn't going to allow you to absorb the food or probably the crappy food that you put on the sandwich. So I tell everybody adhere to my GPS of health. My GPS is simply no gluten, no processed food, and no added sugar. The average American consumes 160 pounds of sugar per year. Sugar is a toxin. It works in a reward center of your brain. It is the number one drug used in America and is one of the largest drugs used in the world. We just don't think it's a drug. And it is in everything. Sometimes you see stuff and you're like, why'd you have to put extra sugar in that? Like, oh, why'd you have to put so much sugar in it? You know what I mean? The, the number one calorie consumption or, or source of calories is high fructose corn syrup in America. It's 15 to 20% of a caloric intake. And China's growing too on that. Oh, it's crazy over here. Like fried chicken and Coke and all that kind of stuff. Chips. Yeah. It's all over now. It's all over. And they don't have as, as heavy regulations in the oil that they use. To cook things, and it's always, you know, everything's cooked in some kind of oil to cook in, and it's never the good stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely, you can see it around, it's, it's, it's becoming an issue. Um, do people have, like, are they compliant very much when you say, hey, man, stop drink, eating so much uh, bread? You know. Or do you have, like, a... Uh, um, you mean, uh, do they start off being compliant, or do they ultimately become compliant? Do they start off compliant? Very few. Because I'm thinking if you get off of it long enough, like give it an honest try, you say, like, I actually feel better. And then they like, you know, go ahead, go eat something again. And then you're like, oh, man, that really did do something. Like, I'm not sensitive. I'm not nothing. But like, I actually did feel better when I wasn't eating it. Dang it. That's exactly what I do. I asked that. I beg, borrow and steal to get them to do it for one month. And I said, if you don't feel better in a month, just go back to it. And usually within that month, that is... The turning point. But initially, they look at you like you're crazy. Come on. Why would I do that? Yeah. Somebody else hasn't told me. I mean, the literature is there. It's robust on getting gluten out. So no gluten, no processed food, no sugar. That's that's the starting point. Okay. So, okay, we, we, we got this part. We've been doing that for about a month. Now we got to replenish. 
what I've heard, pro, um, probiotics, what I've heard, it don't really do much. And I, maybe the verdict's out, you know, is eggs good for you? Are they bad for you? Maybe it's one of those things. But then I heard prebiotics are really good because then you're feeding the gut that you, that you have. But the probiotics are typically already dead by the time you take it. What's your thoughts? Okay, so um, egg is easy, and then we'll get to pre and pro. Um, egg is a high allergy food. If you're not allergic to eggs, I always have you eat them because I think they're a great natural source of protein and fat, and I'm a protein and fat person in most instances. Dairy, on the other hand, is an issue. Eggs are not dairy. Dairy comes from mammary glands, so I'm a big proponent on not having us eat dairy. So that also means feta and um, goat because they are from mammary glands. Now, you asked about pre and probiotics. If you're buying a good quality probiotic, if, underline, you could see me moving my hand, circling it, going into the blackboard, trying to vivify this, come to life. If it is a good one, like something you or I would carry or a patient or the doctors on there have access to get, there is, they, leave, they live for 11 days. However, I'm a big proponent of the use of probiotics. Most instances, they have to be room temperature or colder because they're very sensitive to temperature change to, to speak to what you said. That's part of the problem that people change the temperature or when they ship, it's very hot, et cetera, et cetera. So as long as it's a stable room temperature or less, the probiotics, if it's a good quality, should be alive. Yes, you should give prebiotics with probiotics because even a good probiotic will ultimately get hungry and the only thing left to eat if you don't give it prebiotics is your intestinal tract so it will perpetuate that damage or that proverbial leaky gut. So a good prebiotic with probiotic in many instances is the way to go. Now some uniqueness to my plans is that if someone has a leaky gut, I don't give them probiotics so I actually heal and seal the gut lining and then I give them a probiotic. The only proverbial probiotic I give before fixing their gut lining is Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a yeast, but functions as a probiotic and won't pass the epithelial tract. Because if it's a bacteria, good or bad, and it passes the gut, ultimately the body will attack it, respond to it and get inflammation, systemic inflammation, localized inflammation, and possibly autoimmunity. So it's a great question on the pre and probiotics, and they're just not enough. But they're a critical element to enable the gut-to-brain axis to function in proper communication. What kind of price range are we looking at for like a good prebiotic? I know we have a lot of different doctor brands, but you, know, you can still get something for five ninety-five, and you can get something probably for like sixty-five ninety-five. I'm assuming, right? But um. Is there like a range where you're like, yeah, it's probably a better quality if you pay this much? I would strongly suggest in reference to the probiotic, assuming it's, you know, let's talk about a month's supply. They're usually about a dollar a day or thereabouts, maybe a dollar and a quarter. So that's about the appropriate. If you're looking at $75 for a month's supply or like $8, one, somebody's ripping you off at the high end, the two at the bottom end, that's that dead stuff you were referring to previously. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that because you know how it is. You, you, you got an MLM company selling you a vitamin well, that's like go. 65 a month. And then you're like, well, my doctor vitamin, which we know is actually uh, whatever that certification is for vitamins to know like what's in the bottle is what's in the pill. You know, that's only like 50 bucks a month. You know, there's <laughs> a difference. What would you do for an athlete that to cover the gut so that they can overall perform better? Well, you know, it's funny about athletes. People think athletes are not susceptible to injury or gut injury. So if you have more than two hours per day of strenuous exercise, 
you have the ability to increase your incidence of what we call leaky gut. Leaky gut refers to the idea of objects passing your gut that shouldn't. So in the small intestine, which is a single epithelial cell lining, its sole purpose is to allow food, nutrients, and water to pass from the intestines to go in the bloodstream. Large undigested food particles, bacteria, viruses, yeast, other things, if they pass the gut, will stimulate our immune process and again will attack it and we will get inflammation. So that's leaky gut. Things are passing that shouldn't. Very common in athletes that do strenuous exercise for more than two hours. So if anything, you've really got to help your athletes by always taking care of their gut health. Zinc carnosine is something that comes to mind right away that will help keep these tight junctions in your gut from opening up too big to allow certain things outside the gut. Remember, the gut keeps everything inside the body from what we call the outside of the body, which is your bloodstream. All right, you mentioned uh, inflammation several times that it happens. So give us the rundown. Where is it going to go? What's the problem with that? And why should we care? We're talking heart disease, diabetes, keep going, cancer. Well, okay, so here we go. So the gut encases all these things. So again, let's go back to the anatomy, the small intestine, which is a misnomer, it really should be the large intestine, it's about 90 to 95% of our intestines. Our small intestine is a single epithelial layer, which the surface area anywhere if it was unraveled from a tennis court to a basketball court with the thickness of a paper towel. The bulk of digestion occurs there in that food, nutrients and water are digested. If the intestinal tract becomes too permeable, so I'm taking my fingers and, and spreading my fingers apart, it becomes too permeable, objects pass that shouldn't pass, like undigested food particles. Inside of the intestinal tract and go to the outside, your body, your immune system says, wait a minute, is this supposed to be there? Is it self? It shouldn't be there? Or is it foreign? The body registers it as foreign your immune system goes on attack and begins to attack that, let's say, that undigested food particle or what we call an antigen. So at that point, we're getting an antigen-antibody effect. With that being said, we're getting localized inflammation. If that continues, eventually we'll get systemic inflammation and past systemic inflammation will get autoimmunity because the immune system will be on attack for such a long period of time, it'll begin to get confused and it will then start to attack body structures like joints, fibrocartilage, because the sequence of the objects on your body are similar to the antigen and we call that molecular mimicry, ultimately leading to autoimmunity. And one of the first things that should come to mind is rheumatoid arthritis. Ah, well, interesting. Does it link to the visceral fat, uh, or abdominal fat, or uh, I know the sugar leads to diabetes, but when we combine everything together, do you see it happen faster? What we're seeing with leaky gut, damage to the gut, and release asserting things like LPS lipopolysaccharide, um, which is an endotoxin, this leaky gut and the cascade of leaky gut leads to an incidence of higher uh, body composition, obesity, prediabetes, diabetes, and the like. 
uh, liver toxicity overload, many things that pass the gut go straight to the liver, and the gut and the liver have a portal vein which carry things back and forth to it. In addition to that, leaky gut, leaky heart, leaky gut, leaky brain, leaky gut, increase incidence of musculoskeletal injuries. So if you start fixing your gut, you're going to see a plethora of things that may start to heal in most of our bodies. Do you see like magnesium, selenium, or any of those micronutrients as a, a way to help heal things faster? I like selenium. I think it's a great mineral. Selenium is one of my choices. Magnesium would be a much um, higher on my list of things that I would take. Most Americans are deficient in magnesium. Uh, you just have your, your typical cup of coffee and drink it. Your magnesium is going to be stripped out of your bones. So I think everybody would benefit from a good quality magnesium supplement. The best choice would be a bisglycinate because it's attached to amino acids. So you can get high levels of magnesium without any gastrointestinal upset. Straight magnesium, 800 milligrams. That's a cure for <laughs> constipation. You are a secretariat. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, I'd always heard chelated. If you can get your minerals chelated, then you're going to be uh, better able to absorb them because it's that amino acid in the body. It's like, oh, it's an amino acid. Takes it apart. And it's like, surprise, it's something else too. Absolutely. I believe in chelated minerals for sure. All right. We mentioned a little bit about the brain. It's getting foggy, you know, lethargic after you eat things. What else What else are we uh, looking at? You, you just got an article uh, published in the Cairo Economics Give us a little a little rundown of whatever we've maybe missed so far that you think are like definitely highlights that you'd want to point out. Okay, great. Um, well, in that article, which is a microcosm of my new book coming out at the end of the year, the Superhighway to Health, we really spoke about how the gut and the brain gets is enable is able to communicate. So let's talk about that. Like, what's one of the main communications? Well, for chiropractors and any doctor, it's the vagus nerve, cranial nerve number ten king of the parasympathetic nerves, the largest, longest cranial nerve in the body. The vagus nerve is known to be called the vagus because it's the great wanderer. It goes from the medulla oblongata down through the transverse colon, innervating the larynx, innervating the thorax, and innervating the intestines. The vagus nerve they call the rest and digest nerve because I call it the chill out nerve. Vagus nerve is also innervated or attached to the outside of the intestinal tract. So because it's on the outside, it has to sense what's going on the inside of the gut. And that's why the vagus nerve is 90% afferent. So at the gut level, if, if you were to make the vagus nerve an elevator, everybody gets in the elevator at the bottom. It goes to the top, the brain and drops off almost everybody and you don't get as much back down from the brain to the gut, but it's communicating between the brain and the gut. The gut communicates with the brain within a millisecond. Studies have shown that if vagus nerve stimulation is decreased or tone is decreased, higher incidence of IBD, irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, irritable bowel, IBD and IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, irritable bowel, disease, celiac. They found that a large number of gut issues, vagus nerve decrease, will lead you down a path of possibly getting SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Stimulation to the vagus nerve has shown to aid in the resolution of the aforementioned conditions. 
So we always want to stimulate the vagus nerve. We always want our vagus nerve stimulated because if our vagus, if our parasympathetics and our sympathetics are equal. So right now I'm taking my hands and making them like an equal seesaw after injury or after concussion. You have this unleveling. My left hand is going up and my right hand is dropping down. You have an unleveling of impulses from the sympathetic. So your parasympathetics get shut down. Hence the idea of why so many people have gastrointestinal issues with a concussion. So your vagus nerve is a critical element, is almost a forgotten nerve in the body. Without question, every one of us should consider how to stimulate the vagus nerve. So my next question. Of course. I knew that was coming, incoming, (laughs) as they say. Well, very easy. Vagus nerve, you can stimulate it. I use a 405 violet laser light. It is shown in my office through heart rate variability to actually jack up heart rate variability to prove that the vagus nerve works. So I use laser. In addition, there are some nutritional support systems that work very well to stimulate the vagus nerve. Omega-3 fatty acids, alpha lipoic acid, fruits, vegetables, and green tea extract. They are great to stimulate the vagus nerve. So I combine the vagus nerve stimulation with the laser and a protocol, and we have this fabulous outcome. I'm glad you mentioned it. So you said a violet laser instead of a red laser. Correct. Red lasers are great for healing. Love them, use them on concussion on the brain every day. Found the violet light to be effective for the the, um, vagus nerve. Okay. And I would have to assume in the research, if you went back when they were doing things with the vagus nerve, incidentally, they found out all these digestive things started getting better. They're like, oh, we didn't expect that. And then somebody finally went through the research and was like, hey, look, look at all this stuff. Let's do a study and actually just talk about this. We were seeing it. Now we know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Omega-3s. If you take two or 3,000 milligrams of that a day, I heard that's, you know, what you actually would want to take to have really good therapeutic doses. Can it raise your overall lipid levels, like your LPA or something like that, to where they're like, oh, that looks unhealthy. And you're like, ah, take a crap ton of omegas. LPA is a great question because LPA is that um, heredity for uh, incidents of heart attack. So in the literature, omega-3 fatty acids have, if anything, a new article just came out, show it decreases the incidence of cardiovascular disease. So for me, in virtually every instance, you know, there's always some exceptions. I'm a proponent of some people supplementing with omega-3 fatty acids, EPA and DHA. Okay. So overall, that's just a, pretty much anybody and everybody should be on it just because of the way we eat in general. We have a very big uh, reversal of those numbers that we should have to begin with. Omega-3 and omega-6 is great. Yes, because omega-6s come in grains and rices and things like that. And both our societies that we live in is very heavy on grains, therefore giving this unleveling between omega-6 and omega-3, making us more susceptible to inflammation. Now, you mentioned concussions just a second ago. How's that tie in? Well, concussions, so I treat a lot of concussions because I really specialize in concussions in the gut-to-brain axis. So when you hit your head, you go sympathetic. And going sympathetic raises, obviously, your sympathetic nervous system and decreases your parasympathetic nervous system. And decreasing your parasympathetic nervous system shuts down your vagus nerve. Shutting down your vagus nerve leads to a decrease in digestive secretions, bile secretions, and also the contractions in your small intestine, which are called your migrating motor complex. That migrating motor complex allows for 9 to 11 peristaltic contractions to move food bolus out 
per day. When it's decreased, i.e. post-concussion, it's only three. All of the things that I just mentioned increase your incidence of small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. There have been some studies that speak to the idea that 60% of concussion patients are have re- gotten small intestinal bacteria overgrowth or SIBO. That is obviously in the small intestine. And just so you know, I'll say it here. I believe in a three-year time, people will be saying, wow, I thought I had leaky gut. I did, but I also had SIBO. Is SIBO something that medical doctors take care of? SIBO is something right now that's on the radar for us functional medicine, functional nutritionists that really look at because there are a lot of great alternatives to just blasting away with antibiotics. So if you find the right functional nutritionist, potentially you could get it taken care of. Is there like a time frame that we should expect? A couple months? A year? SIBO, yeah, you see, yeah, a few. It's going to take three to six months. SIBO is nasty. It's gnarly, as I like to say, on the West Coast. Uh, it poses a lot of issues. Okay. However, the protocols that we've used and other doctors are now um, implementing really lead to some excellent clinical outcomes. Okay. That's You'll feel better. Me. Yeah. That's what we want. <laughs> all we want, right? And look better. And you mentioned the keto diet. Like I, um, I mean, personally, I'm just not, a, I'm not so sure that we need to be eating that much meat, especially when I'm looking at, I don't know if you've looked at the Prolone diet and like the fast mimicking diet. They're like, wow, 10% meat, vegetables is the way to go. I, I, I love that you just said Prolong because I have the kids in my office and I lecture for them and I use the ketogenic diet. So let's talk keto. Let's talk Prolong. Please. And let me show you how the two are similar in some idea. And P.S. I've already done my first month and I've got two more months to go at the house. So I'm, if you can help me uh, maximize my money on that, that'd be great. So all right. I'm really all, I'm all ears on this. All one. right. So do you want Prolong or keto first? Let's do keto because you mentioned you kind of like bridge them together. So. Okay, so what I like about the ketogenic diet is the ketogenic diet is great for neural degeneration in that it was based on helping children with epilepsy. Yeah. So fat is a much better fuel for the brain than sugar. And just let's try this. 60% of your brain is fat. So who told us all to eat the carbohydrate like the standard American diet? Thumbs down, doing a thumbs down. So ketogenic diet is also great because the ketogenic diet makes something called ketone bodies, acetate, acetoacetate, and the one that you really want to emphasize is beta-hydroxybutyrate. Beta-hydroxybutyrate is the gold medal winner because beta-hydroxybutyrate actually allows for the increase in something called BDNF in the brain, brain-derived neurotrophic factors. It allows for brain neurogenesis. That brain neurogenesis means that brain nerves can grow back, breakthrough concept. In addition, it's a great fuel source for the brain and that ketone body, as all ketone bodies, increase the use of ATP by 22% over carbohydrates. That's one of the reasons that it's a better fuel source. In addition, a beta-glutaronidase also releases glutathione. Glutathione is the master antioxidant, and a dose of glutathione can decrease brain tissue damage by 70%, also stimulating one of the largest, most potent antioxidant pathways in the body, NRF2. Studies have shown that the ketogenic diet is very advantageous for both endurance and power athletes. So I do like the ketogenic diet. Good studies have shown that it doesn't increase your incidence of cardiovascular, 
great for weight loss. So I like to use the ketogenic diet because when you get in ketosis, ketosis enables you now to start to burn fat as your main source of energy versus carbohydrates. Now let's go to prolong. Wait, pause for a second. Uh, is it true? I, I'm trying to remember back. It's been a while. B2 and acetylcysteine. Don't those two combine to make glutathione? They, they amongst others like NAC, broccoli seed extract, vitamin C, and selenium are all in a pathway. So if you wanted to take the master antioxidant glutathione, I would suggest taking glutathione in a liposomal form. Liposomal is a nanotechnology that protects the glutathione, brings it in. Because if you took straight glutathione, your stomach would kill it. You take what we just talked about, all the different nutrients that make it. It's a long, arduous, not as effective process. So that leaves you with two options. Inject it or take the liposomal form. Liposomals are going to be the next step in the delivery system for nutrients and supplements. And then the second follow-up, there are keto products. There's the salts and things like that that you can, I guess you can take and it'll boost you up. So like when you go work out, you get more, you use more, you use more oxygen or you don't burn out so fast or whatever. What are your thoughts on those ketone salts and those ketone products? Okay. So the two that come to mind first are the ketone salts. So the salt has typically beta hydroxybutyrate in eight to 12 grams. So you're getting beta hydroxybutyrate. The salts are used to keep you in ketosis or get you back into ketosis within 15 minutes. They are typically guaranteed to keep you in ketosis for an hour. So obviously, if you're in ketosis, we already told you there as athletic advantages to it. In addition to the salt, they call it a salt because it has NaCl in it, which is an electrolyte. A lot of people take the salts because they get what they call a keto flu. They get the flu call, uh, through a process called naturesis. That naturesis strips the body of potassium and sodium. Hence, you want to put the salt back in not to get this horrible feeling flu typically on day three. The other keto product that I like so much is medium chain triglycerides or MCT oil. You want MCT oil of carbon eight and 10 because it's great for brain fuel, preferably from coconut oil and not from palm oil. The combination, if somebody would have a concussion and walk in your office, would be almost breathtaking because you would get them into ketosis right away and that would be have a tremendous positive cognitive effect on someone with an acute concussion. Dr. Silverman, do we need to buy brain octane from Bulletproof or can we just get MCT oil at the 8 and 10? We can get MCT oil from our distributors who give us good quality protein, uh, uh, good quality uh, supplements. We don't have to buy it from Bulletproof David Asprey, uh, <laughs> even though he's done a great marketing he job. Does. Ooh, he's good. He does. He's great. He's brilliant. And he's really created awareness for certain things. But with all respect to him, he's not a doctor. And um, we're better off following the doctor because, you know, they speak our lingo. It's not disparaging. He does a great job. Right. I mean, he started something. And you got Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan interviewing all these people about ketosis and Dom Argostino and, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah. what's all this? What's all this? And everybody's getting on the bandwagon and everything. So did a great job. We don't need the brain octane. We can get somewhere else. Sweet. Sorry. And that's expensive. So it's good to know. Yeah, absolutely. 
And those salts, they're not easy to swallow and they're not cheap either. No, 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 no. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. So let's, let's bridge it to the prolong now, if you could. Absolutely. Well, Prolong, uh, in uh, one of the books I'm going to recommend is The Longevity Diet by Vlada Longo. Great job. He was just voted in 2018 one of the top 50 influential doctors. And they've made what they call a – yeah, great book. They've made something called the fast-mimicking diet. So I'm going to dial it down. Most people use the term intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting technically means that you're going to fast in a week for one or two days. It's not how you and I think about it. It's the term that's used. Nothing wrong with it. Technically, it means, one more time, fasting for a day or two. What we talk, typically talk about in intermittent fasting is time-restrictive eating. So a great example of time-restrictive eating is fasting for 12 hours and eating for 12 hours. So the term intermittent fasting, most people use in the parlance, it does mean time-restrictive eating, both of which have great positive clinical outcomes, metabolic health, weight loss, very, very good, producing ketone bodies. So I do intermittent fasting slash, I truly do time-restrictive eating with virtually all my patients, each a little different. You do the 16-8? 16-8 if there's a neurodegenerative issue or someone has to lose a lot of weight, I never start them on 16-8. So what I do, because fasting is fast, flexible and simple oh fast flexible and simple that was from a um ted talk i forgot the um the 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 doc's name but i can't take credit for it but i used it anyway (laughs) so (laughs) to speak to that prolong prolong you know prolonging longevity it's not prolong fasting it's actually prolonging longevity because he's the longevity guy uh that's a long go they have uh or el nutra They've got a specific five-day kit. Now, within that five-day kit, the prolonged fasting is either a water fast, which is positive, but a lot of people don't like it because they get too hungry. This one has in the kit, day one, 1,100 calories, and days two through five, 800 calories. What he's done is he found out the macro and micronutrient amounts to fill the stomach just enough. So you're not that hungry, yet the brain thinks you're in starvation mode, and that's a critical element because that brain starvation mode stresses the cells. So you get all the benefits of time-restrictive eating, intermittent fasting, metabolic, and weight loss, but you get cell health. So you're getting autophagy. Autophagy is the body's way of fixing itself. It's sort of like a spring cleaning of your cells. You're also getting cell regeneration, and you're also getting stem cell production. Day four and five is the critical element. And he's put together um, different foods, 1,100 to 800 calories. He also has an L-Nutri drink, which is a lot of glycine, really shown not to decrease muscle mass. And with all that being said, the study is it's about 90% fats and carbs and 10% protein, almost the antithesis. It's a plant-based, but it's not because he's a big proponent. It's more fat than carbohydrates, and he puts you into ketosis. So the caloric restriction also gets you into ketosis. So the keto and him are both producing ketosis, so there's where the similarity is. The keto, the ketogenic diet is consuming almost no carbs, yet Prolong has some carbs. Okay, because it looked like a lot of carbs. It was almost 40 to 50% carbs. 
think it's um, I think he's 60, 30 fat carbs normally. And I think it's like 47, 43 inside the kit. But don't quote me on that last one. But the carbs are different. We're not talking about a donut. You know what I mean? It's the carbs from a crap ton of beans. It's the right. carbs from fruit. It, it is. It's quality carbs. So I'm a big proponent that I use the prolonged kits to start or within almost all my functional medicine protocols. So I do it a little differently. So I'll give it to you now. I do the five days and then they'll do 30-day gut. Then I'll do the five-day kit and I may continue with the gut or I may go to detox. Then month three, I'll do five days and then guess what? Then I'll do like body composition. So the bang for the buck on the prolong is doing it three months in a row and then deciding how you do it. Don't do it one month. You can, but the biggest bang for the buck is that three months. I had one patient lose 12 pounds in the five days and he didn't. And by the time he came back in the other one, he lost six pounds the next week. He was a little robust, but the great, great outcomes, great studies. And what you're, what I like what you're saying is, you know, that the stem cell production occurs for day four and five. And the one thing they said is it's the refeeding that gives you a lot of the benefit. And he's like, it doesn't really matter what you day six. Day six. You can eat junk. Day six is the right. Refeeding. Day six is the refeeding. You got the rest of the month. He's like, you can technically go back to how you ate. But uh, of course, if you're already going to have that, that jump start like you're doing, it makes sense to give your body the best chance to continue the healing process by, you know, feeding it correctly. Um, before we, we jump off this uh, call and wrap everything up, stem cell production. For those who are like, that sounds kind of woo woo. And what's the point? Can you give us a little like, how does that help? And what does that do for us? Well, the stem cells, I mean, we're injecting them, you know, the idea of stem cells allows our bodies to heal naturally. So what's fascinating uh, on what we just discussed is our body has its own mechanism to heal itself. So the brain has to feel a little strain, strain the cell, and we start to heal. Now, that is everything about holistic chiropractic doctors to allow the body to heal itself. So we're proving it over and over again. You and I are both not anti to drugs. They're there if we need them. It's a great option if we can't fix it ourselves. However, your first option every time is to allow the body to fix itself because we have the best mechanisms. The only thing that the drugs can do is dial down the volume on the pathways. And they can kill some organisms. So I, I am pro-medical. Don't misunderstand me. I'm highly pro-medical. I'm just saying I think we're a viable first option in many instances. Very good. I'm trying to get somebody from the El Nutra company to come on. Maybe I can get uh, Longo. I don't know. But, um... I, but Longo's not, not doing any more podcasts. However, so you know, I can make that happen for you. I might go with someone in the company. And that way I won't be so intimidated. He has a pretty thick accent too. <laughs> he does. He speaks good Italian. He's a brilliant guy. What I'll do is, you know, when we get off, we'll talk and I'll make the connection. Very cool. Before we head off, because we got to respect your time. It's been a great hour practically at this point. You got a book coming out at the end of the year. I do. Plug it, man. What's going on with that? Yeah, let's shameless plug. Super Highway to Health, Dr. Robert Silverman. Facebook is Dr. Robert Silverman. Same Instagram follower. We're going to um, put it out. We're going to let everybody know in advance so you can pre-order. 
Um, you guys are going to love it. Uh, the editor's liking it. We've shown already some excerpts of some chapters to some of the experts, and everybody's on board. This is sort of a microcosm. Justin's great. I just sent him a copy of an article that was published for the cover of July 11th of uh, Chiropractic Economics. It's a 1,400-word article. It's a microcosm of the book. Read it. Get some interest. Guys, feel free. You got all my uh, info. You got a question. Reach out to Justin. Reach out to me. Wow. Dr. Silverman, really appreciate your time and, and giving us so much to like chew on and hopefully stimulate us to either A, buy the book and also since we're doctors, maybe take some classes in the functional nutrition and get a little bit more familiar with this stuff so that we're not going in so blind and uh, really can feel confident when we're recommending these things to patients because you know they need it. Definitely. Remember, health is wealth. Absolutely. Oh, do you have a website? I do. drrobertsilverman.com. There we go. That was a powerful interview. Like I always say, please listen, critically think about it, and then implement. I know a lot of people don't always make it through the end of the episodes, but I encourage you, if you made it here and you, and you talk to your friends about it, encourage them to do it. I think the, the family and vacation and the home life balance part at the end is important. It's something that I didn't get in a lot of those other podcasts that I was listening to. So check them out. Minisodes, Thursdays and Saturdays, those come out. Let me know what you think about that. If you have any episodes that you want me to do for the audience, just send me a message on Facebook. Justin Trosclair, MCC, is the official page of everything about me. You can find the books, the Acupuncture No Needle book, the Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health book that talks about weight loss, exercise, dieting, and financial health. You can get free chapters at .net slash chapters or slash NA protocol. So that way you can experience the book before you buy them. If you're interested in any of the interviews that I've been a part of where the roles have been reversed, it's .net slash as heard on. The resources page on the website has all the products that I recommend and there's some deals for some of those. So check that out. And as always, if you click any of the hot links in the show notes page for books, we get a little piece of that and we appreciate that as well. The .net slash support is the webpage if you want to buy the host a cup of coffee. And lastly, reviews are always, always appreciated and so grateful when you get them. So that's a doctorsperspective.net slash reviews. Y'all have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.